everybody, welcome to episode three of Photography Chat. Just uh, waiting for Alan to get on here with us, so we'll get started in a moment. What's up, JP? How you doing, man? Hello, Chris and Michael. No worries, man. I mean, it's another Thursday. Been all sorts of crazy stuff going on down there, so I'm not surprised y'all are distracted uh, down there right now. So we'll get, let's see if we can get Alan on here. There he is. Let's get him joined in. What's up, big guy? What's going on, man? How are you doing? Oh, you know, just living the dream. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, uh, you know, same old, same old. Just working, staying busy, you know. <laughs> oh, man. So, so... Yeah fire going on behind you what's that you have a fire going on behind you oh it's a candle can you hear it no no i just saw the flickering and i was just like you know like you're in boston you got like the, the fire going on back there it's like it's real classy and shit no i wish man you know it's funny because um up until that bernie sanders meme started floating around i started seeing all these memes with the uh gwyneth paltrow candle <laughs> have you seen that no i've not seen the oh candle. man all right, so, uh, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow has that uh, company called Goop. Do you know anything about that? Yep, yeah, right. I've heard of Goop. So she made a candle called uh, uh, Magi My Vagina Smells Like This. And um, it, ex <laughs> and it exploded in a woman's house. So, <laughs> so her vagina smells like explosion. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. But that was circulating all like yesterday, day before yesterday, and now, uh, yeah, that one that exploded, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but okay. um, but yeah, now the now the Bernie Sanders meme is uh, on top of the world right now. Dude, the the Bernie Sanders meme is just like killing me. Um, I think my favorite one so far has been the Fugazi front porch photo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's been good. And then oh, the class, like, this could have been an email. Like, that one was... Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, got Like a Store Las Vegas in here. What's up, guys? And good to see you, Barb. You remember Barb from uh, from the workshop, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My yeah, the... Other the, Canadian compatriot. That's awesome. Yeah, we got a, we got a good gang on here so far. Uh, Shell... Shelby says, I'm ready to be wowed. Oh, yeah. Shelby, you're going to be wowed. What's up, Dale? That's my sales wife. He's coming on here to check in on me. Good to see you, Dale. So how are things in Boston? Cold. Um, it snowed today. Not not too much, but, you know, uh, I'm still not a fan of snow. Like, I like looking at it, but I don't like getting out in it. <laughs> How long have you been in, in Boston? Because I'm guessing it doesn't snow in Alabama. I mean, it will, but when it snows, it shuts down the whole state. Okay. 
So, you know, an inch of snow will shut it down. Um, I've been up here for four and a half years now. So it's, um, you know, uh, the summer's great up here because it's like not hot. I mean, it'll get a little humid, but, um, you know, back in Alabama, it'll be, I don't know, upper 90s, lower 100s. Um, <laughs> like sort of like Las Vegas is ready to be amazed as well. Um, <laughs> no pressure, no pressure at all there. I know it doesn't, it doesn't take much to amaze them in Las Vegas. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, that, that's fair. It doesn't surprise me there's a Leica store in Vegas, like, you know, with people winning and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it would make sense to go spend that newly yeah. done. <laughs> oh, man, my dad's on here. I need to watch <laughs> what I say. Nah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thank you to your dad as well. He started following me and he's liked a lot of my photos, so I appreciate that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he's he's a recent addition to the Instagram. He was on Twitter for a while and uh he had to uh he had to get off. Uh it's too toxic on Twitter. And he never got a Facebook and I was like, Pops, you need to get you an Instagram and he finally listened and, and I, I, I send him memes all day, so you know. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way we're surviving any of this. Several friends and I we only communicate in memes lately. <laughs> Same here. Um, so, are you, are you in Toronto right now? Yes, um, I'm back in Toronto, um, enjoying our next lockdown. Oh, is that happening? Well, so like we've been in some sort of state of lockdown since like last year. Yeah. Um, but our government has just recently called a state of emergency. Um, in a stay-at-home order, which we already basically were told to stay at home, but now we can be fined. Yeah. But there's no real guidelines around what we can get fined for. So it's like, stay at home, but if you do go out, no more than five people in a group, Yeah. and you're supposed to only go out for emergency reasons, for like medical and things like that, but all stores are open, allowing curbside pickup, um... So it's just really confusing because it's like stay at home, but also go out and like spend money in the economy and like you know do things, and it's at the discretion of law enforcement whether or not um, we get ticketed or fined for being out of our homes. Um, so far, though, the only group of people that I heard getting ticketed were a um, fantastic group of people who believe that um, the lockdown is. Um, a lie, COVID is a lie, and that masks don't protect you. So they were out there exercising their rights and freedoms to be in a large congregation of more than five people in Dundas Square in Toronto, which is like our version of New York, like Times Square. Yeah. Um, and they were in a mass congregation um, during an emergent state of emergency where we could get fined for being in a group of more than five people and then they were shocked and outraged when they started getting fined for being out of their homes and not wearing masks and screaming that like you know it's the pandemic and all of that <laughs> you know this is why cops need to be defunded and it's like well there's a lot of reasons why cops should be defunded but that was one example of where they were actually doing their yeah. job um so yeah that it, it's we been it's been weird here. 
Well, do you know anybody out in Alberta? Because Alberta is like the south of Canada, right? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Alberta... it's like the Mississippi of Canada. No, no offense, Shelby. <laughs> it well, it's like the Texas of Canada. Okay. So like, the, there's actually a bit like it. They call it North Texas, like in the Edmonton airport. <laughs> They used to have direct flights from Edmonton to Dallas and Houston because there was like that much, okay, oil, like the oil field and all that. Um, there's a whole lot of ignorance there. It's it's kind of downright terrifying. It's like it, it it seems the further west you go, um, the more people believe that this is sort of a lie and it's just like the government's way of controlling us and that yeah. it's really not that big of a deal. Um, which is sort of terrifying because it absolutely is a big deal and it absolutely is a real thing. And um, yeah, it's, it's scary. Like one of my best friends um, is living out West now and um, you know, she's definitely a little freaked out with how nonchalant people kind of take it out there. Like it was very surreal. Like when we were out there, cause I helped her move to Vancouver when we were out there, it was surreal, like seeing people still eating in restaurants and shit. And yeah. it's like, haven't had um, that kind of stuff in Toronto since like last year, like early. Yeah. Like the last time I ate in a restaurant, I think was like February of last year. Um, so it was just like so fucking weird to see people like eating in restaurants and shit. And it's just like, yeah. But it was an interesting opportunity for like taking photos um of things so it's like thank you it's uh <laughs> i got a comment saying glorious beard and yeah uh, see zishan zishan's a regular at the store yeah and also so so ryan muirhead ryan here's uh your shirt that's a sweet shirt yeah he had a buddy make article? yeah so so this is his like uh he could probably explain it better but somebody designed this for him and it's like a heart and skull all in one go shake people. And then uh, somebody made the shirt for him. So I was like, buy it. So and Ryan's the one who got me was, was one of the most influential people um, that turned me on to Leica. He okay. was really one of the first people who kind of broke down Leica. He had a, um, I want to say at the time it was an M7, maybe an MP. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, but he, when I worked at Indie Film Lab, he, uh, he came on board with Indie and Josh who owns Indie was like, yo man, you need to check this dude out. Like, I think you really dig his work. And at the time, Ryan was taking a lot of photos of bands and, um, I mean, all of those photos came out great. He was shooting a lot with, uh, um, I think it was the M7 and a Pentax 6.7. Oh, nice. And like, I wanted to pick this dude's brain apart. So as soon as like we met for the first time, he, we actually, took him from Vegas. We met up in Vegas at a, at a WPPI, went to Joshua tree and hung out in Joshua tree for a few days and basically kidnapped him and brought him back to Alabama. And, uh, <laughs> so he could kind of, you know, get a feel for what Alabama was for, you know, all about. And so he, uh, he, he had never been to the South other than like Orlando, which really is not the South at all. But, well, um, sucks. I didn't like Orlando <laughs> at all. It's too swampy. It's been a really long time since I've been there. And the only time I've really been there is when I went to Disney World. And I really don't remember much of it. Um, What's up, Pete? Yeah, Ryan, Ryan and Josh were the two 
Hold on, let me grab it real quick. Uh, got my uh, M2. Nice. So with the 35 Sumo Lux on there, I wish I could say that was my lens. And I guess that's one perk of being able to uh, work at the Leica store, take it out whenever I want. Um, but yeah, Ryan was really influential in just film photography and Leica and, and was one of the reasons that we're talking right now. So, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy, you know, thinking about talking to you tonight. It, it's really kind of crazy how everything's kind of lined up. Yeah. From, you know, Josh and Ryan turned me on the Leica to randomly stumbling onto the store in D.C. to working at the store in Boston to moving up and through and now running the store. Randomly, you know, getting in touch with Jason. And then, you know, I meet you in, in Boston and, and Barb was there. She's still in here. And yeah, it, it's yeah. uh, so crazy. Like. And, you know, now we're having this, you know, it's, it's nuts. So, um, it, it is absolutely nuts. Cause like, you know, I, I mentioned it in like the write up for this, like, you know, had it not been for the workshop you put together with Jason in 2018, um, none of this would, would have really happened. Cause like that, uh, that workshop is what really sort of like kicked off like my whole like photographic adventure kind of thing, because like, I, that was the very first um, film trip, like trip I took specifically for like a photographic reason. Um, and it was like a huge kind of chance I took on it too. Cause like, I've loved his work for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like, his work is a huge inspiration for like my own stuff. And I saw he posted it at like three in the morning, my time. <laughs> like I have like wicked insomnia, still have like some bad insomnia. Yeah my body is still protesting that I live on the East coast. It's like, no man, you're a West coaster. Yeah. Um, so it was like up at, he posted like three in the morning and I saw it and I was just like, Holy shit. Like, yep. and I was like 50 seats for the book signing, 12 seats for the workshop. And I was like, I shouldn't sleep on this. Cause like I could go to bed and it could be all sold out in the morning. But then I was like, what if I spend all this money? And he's like a dick. <laughs> 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 you know, it's funny because I kind of thought that, like, what was weird is um, when I was working at Indy, I saw that, oh, hey, Yvette, Yvette's in here. She's another, like, a compatriot, comrade, friend. Um, she's awesome. She's part of our marketing team. But, um, yeah, so I, I reached out to Jason when I was working at Indy Film Lab, and um, I saw the stuff that he was shooting, and I'm like, you know, it, there's something that's – I don't want to make this – yeah, I don't want to sound negative, but there's something simplistic about his approach and he just has real clean lines and it's just nice to look at because he approached it as, you know, here's what I'm capturing. And I really dig that. And I just reached out to him and said, Hey, you know, I, I dig your work, you know? Um, and I, I think I asked a question of what he was shooting on and he replied. I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. So, when I found out that he shot with an M6, that his first 35 millimeter was an M6, when I started working for Leica, I was like, all right, let me see if I can make something happen. And he was, he was so down. It was so cool, like, how quick he was to respond. And he was just like, yeah, man, let's do it. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm just like, let's, let's, just, <laughs> let's just do something. He says he wants to do something. Let's put it together. So he had the book come out, and 
we I mean we pre-sold fifty-five books, which is nuts. And we ended up buying sixty-five altogether and sold out of all of them. And um, you know, the workshop was just like an you know, well, while you're here, let's just do a workshop. And then we just yeah. it was so cool. Like we just walked around and you know, he talked and we shot around South Boston. <laughs> I still never forget the dude with the eight by ten camera who wouldn't go into South Boston. Yeah, right. He's like, nah, I can't. Yeah, he's like, like, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, why? And he's like, there's people there that don't like me or something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I he called it his daily driver, which I was like, holy yeah, shit, man! Like, yeah. a guy looking like you know some Johnny Appleseed motherfucker, <laughs> with like over his like shoulder on the tripod. Just like, yeah, I've never seen this before. And it it was it was so cool. Like um, I'd only been to Boston once before for like a tech workshop. I was there for the Red Hat Summit, and um, so that was like my first like experience, like you know, being in Boston as like a tourist kind of thing. And like Boston was so cool. And then the photo walk was hilarious because like you'd also had like the te- the Leica test drive in yeah. it, and um, Rob gave me an M9. And I can't remember which lens it was, but like all together, he was like, this, this like combined like kit is like 18,000 or something. And I kind of was like, I handed it back to him. Cause like, dude, <laughs> my car is worth, he's like, no, it's cool. It's fine. And I was like, yeah. really neat, is it though? <laughs> Cause like, I definitely do not have the money to replace this if this gets like fucked up. And then it started raining partway through. And I, yeah. I remember just like standing next to Rob and I was like, Hey, I mean, is this like cool? Because <laughs> like, it's getting rained off right now, and he kind of just like tilted it down. He's like, the body's weatherproof, but the lens isn't. So he's like, yeah. the, the lens out of the rain. <laughs> is that Barb the um, what, what's that? She said, uh, kudos to him for schlepping an eight by ten around. Is that Barb? Yeah, that's right. Barb. Barb. Okay, cool. uh, <laughs> he was doing the pinholes there. Yeah. Oh yeah, Rob's such a nerd too. Like he he loves getting cameras in people's hands because he likes to see how people he he likes to witness people reacting the same way that he reacted when he first started shooting, and he really like enjoys that. He loves talking about Leica. He's such a he's such a valuable asset to the company and such a great friend too. Um, you know, we just you know we talked earlier today, part part right. business, part just like, hey man, what are you doing this weekend? You know, so. No, he's really cool. But yeah, it was so cool. Like, you know, after the walk was over, Jason was like, yeah, hey, give me your address. I'm going to send you a, a photo. And I, did you get yours? Yeah, did you get I your... did. Okay, um, cool. <laughs> it's like in a stack. Of, like, I'm awful. I buy like prints and have like, I have like prints from Raymond and Eric, <laughs> other people that are just like on a stack. Oh, yeah. Like, same here. I never... I, I haven't framed it yet, but I did frame the one that Raymond sent with his book. Oh, cool. Awesome. I haven't just, framed that one yet. Well, it, it just, it lucked out that I had a frame that fit it perfectly. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And like, that was a beautiful book too, but he, he was like funny as heck. Like, um, and this is like one time where I'm quasi grateful that like, I sometimes have this urge to smoke every once in a while. And um, had it not been for you putting the like whole Jason thing together and me wandering out to bum a smoke off of Armand, um, we probably wouldn't <laughs> be talking tonight because like that was like another part of the equation was like 
you got me down to Boston for this workshop. And then, yeah, I see this like other bearded dude there and he's having a smoke. And I'm like, feel totally out of place because I'm like, I fucking know nobody here. And I'm in like a city I've never really spent a bunch of time in. So I like went out and just shooting the shit with him after the book stuff. And um, he's like, well, what what do you what do you do? And I'm like nothing. I'm gonna go find some food. He's like, well, come come with us. And then that was like the start of our Mondanize friendship there, which you know he's one of my my best pals now. So I fucking love that guy. And I would have never met him had it not been for you. And then like Armand got me into the whole instant film society thing. And then that like kind of had me fall down this like crazy rabbit hole of film photography. Is that you, Duncan, saying that you miss being at in Boston? Yeah, he was there. He was at the uh, the book signing. Yeah, I took a photo of uh, him and Jason um, after he took uh, Portrait of Jason with his crazy Graflex. Yeah, that's right. He had the Graflex. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Hey, man, I actually have some uh, stuff that you might appreciate. It's been a while since I've done any sort of uh, this type of shooting. Let me Let me pull one out real quick. Right. But I found a stack of old um, Polaroids. Oh, nice. Well, I see you got an SX-70 with uh, with some sort of flash attachment on it behind you. Yeah, there. where is it? Yeah. Wait, which side's it on? Uh, other side. Oh, yeah, right there. Um, yeah, so I think <clears throat> it, I don't know what's wrong with it. It, it doesn't um, – let me pull it out real quick. It doesn't – exposed properly i think we had the conversation that uh that that zoom conference meeting that you had oh yeah yeah uh, but for some reason um yeah i think the um the exposure's off because it always comes out either way too overexposed or way too underexposed the the diode in like the light sensing diode yeah you could be muffed up but there's a dude in texas zane pollard he could fix that up for you for like 80 bucks. Yeah, I don't remember who I got this from. It was some guy who was, doing a, who was refurbishing a lot of them. I think he was out of New York. Okay. Um, and like, I mean, it's I got it all refurbished, and he actually sent it with the flash and everything. So this flash is pretty sweet, but again, it's always yeah, I've either got way the over. Yeah, I've flash on my SX-70, and that thing oh, is real? amazing. Yeah. I had the flash bars for a little while, and then they just got too much like because i think there's only what, what like four flashes on there i think uh there's eight four on each side eight four on each side yeah or no and then three, he's five because they're, they're, there used to be 10 frames in a that's right but yeah and then he had this and i was like yeah i'm just gonna pick that up too so um he gave me a, a pretty good discount on it i think the whole thing was like i don't know 120 for everything with the flash, one ten, really something like that. Like yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it was refurbished too, and I think I mean it worked good for a little while, and then it just started. I don't know. I kind of chalked it up to being the um, the film because it was no. the uh, impossible, but then it just kept doing it, and I think it's the the camera altogether. It's it's the light sensor is what goes yeah. on. Um, but yeah, I I'd message Zane. I'll I'll send you his profile. He's okay. Uh, cool. He's got like six of my cameras right now <laughs> I have a, only five of them are coming back though because like one was a sacrificial lamb um, 
yeah he's um he's great with the polaroids yeah like he uh he started doing them for armand and, and that's oh, cool into the whole works there how's uh business in in denton is he is he still churning those cameras out of there yeah he's still trucking along um you know it's the pandemic is like you know put a, a small dent in things but he's still been slanging cameras and people come through and he's still doing the film development and um every once in a while like you know, i'll see him throw a camera up on his instagram stories and like he sells it almost immediately so like i think yeah. like photography is a good business during like this kind of stuff because people are adopting it as like a hobby and you know people be shooting lots of film right now um which i guess maybe is why alaris decided to jack up the prices so much <laughs> well it looks like they cornered the market with uh, the pro 400h getting discontinued i was waiting on it. i mean it, they've been talking about it for years now and then finally they pulled the plug on it which you know it's fine by me like i never really used the fuji so i like 400 like I, I have a long-standing history and hatred of Fuji <clears throat> for other reasons, um, instant film related. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> we we won't devolve into that argument. But 400H is it's it's a beautiful film, and it's like it's unfortunate and sad that um, Fuji decided to kill it. But it's just another example of them not really giving a shit about the film photography community. Because um, their argument is, well, if you want to shoot 400H, buy one of their fancy digital cameras that can emulate it, and then you can shoot 400H all you want on there. Yeah, I get it from a business standpoint, but also, like, you know, it, it's them doing that, it, it's going to eventually, it, and this is kind of my, you know, fear is that them saying, you know, oh, we're not going to be, be making film anymore, then you know, Kodak might not be too far behind. Now, hopefully we can still have people who are, you know, like the, yeah, Paul says it's all about the money. And it is with, with Fuji. Yeah. I mean, they, they figure it's just not worth it to make film anymore. Unfortunately, they just pissed off every single film wedding photographer out there because that's all they used is the Pro 400H. <laughs> right, yeah. I, so I don't think Kodak would ever follow suit if if like Fuji were to pull out completely because they're doing the opposite like they're bringing back stocks and they're yeah. you know ramping up production whereas like Fuji's going the other direction the, the problem with with Fuji is um they divested so much when film was starting to tank yeah that they they undercut themselves too much and so yeah. now for them to ramp up to get back like the demand that's going on right now they can't afford to get there like it's not profitable enough for them to do it um to the point where like they were like there were rumors that they were going to try and make a bid to like scoop kodak up because like if they could buy kodak then they could just resume production because they could just mm -hmm. use kodak's facilities that kodak has been building up themselves um so i don't think kodak is going anywhere um at all um you know, it's they're they're talking about bringing back new um, stocks that have gone away. Like they brought back Ektachrome, which um, a lot of people were stoked about. And yeah, yeah. Like I don't think Kodak's going 
anywhere anytime soon. They've also got like a lot of commitment from Hollywood to like, you know, continue shooting new projects on film, which is where most of the money comes from. Like that was one thing that was wild to learn about when I did the tour um, last December there was, and I never thought about this, cinemas were most of their business mm-hmm. um, because Kodak was making all of the film for all of the uh, the cinemas. And when cinemas went digital over a three month span, Kodak lost 90% of their business mm-hmm. because like that was what the bulk of their film production was for, was for like making all of the copies of movies. And so like mm-hmm. there were huge amounts of film to provide reels for all of the, the movie theaters. And when all the movie theaters went digital, it was just like, that was lights out for Kodak. Um, which is kind of amazing that they were able to take like the 10% that was left and find a way to sort of eat by and survive and then like rebuild back to where they are today. Um, but it was just interesting learning like all of that stuff. And like, even the things like um, that I didn't realize there was different stocks. So like the, the cameras, like the film that they use in like the Ari flexes and stuff like that. Um, it's not a poly based uh, film. It's um shit i can't remember what it's called but you can tear it with your hand because like mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're running film through an expensive camera you'd rather the film break than the camera break uh break um so the film that goes through the movie cameras is like really really delicate and so when uh, movie production is making a film with it the stuff that is shot on the camera gets immediately copied onto like a plastic uh copy and that's the copy that that starts getting used for like edits and things like that. And then like the master gets like tucked away because it's like precious. And I was like, this is really kind of fascinating learning because I had no idea. Like, you know, I was just like, film is film, right? It's like, no, yeah, different kinds of film. Well, well, you know, what's crazy is um, I didn't know that either, that the, the big portion of it was from movie film. And then when I was talking to um, Brandon and Brian Wright, who started up Cinestill, they were telling me that, you know, that's where they got it from. They got their film straight from Kodak. Mm-hmm. And when they were very early on in the process, they did it out of their apartment and would strip the backing and then roll it in their apartment. And now, if I'm not mistaken, they do the 120 in uh, Rochester. They just have a separate office in Rochester where they do the process. So basically they'll wheel it from one side of, you know, the plant to another, they do it over there and all their 120 is done in Rochester. I'm not sure where the 35 millimeters done now, but they're, they're the ones who let me in on that. You know, that's why Kodak took a huge hit was because they were selling a ton of film to the movie industry, which I think is one reason why Sony has done so well, because once it went digital, you know, Sony's got a movie studio and they're actually able to take a loss uh, in the beginning when they're developing and you know, their, their, their cameras. And then all of a sudden, like Sony's came out of nowhere with the mirrorless and like everybody jumped on Sony and has yeah. pretty much, I mean, it's wiped out a lot of stock in Nikon and, and Canon because a bunch of people are, are jumping on board to Sony. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, how they've, it Sony's story is so crazy because nobody would have thought 20 years ago that Sony would be a major major player in the camera industry. I mean, they had their compacts and whatnot, but now it's like you know, they're taking over in the digital world. 
Um, but yeah, it, it's nuts how all that film was sold to the studios and then they go digital and it's like, it just crashes. And then to the point where, you know, they're about to fold up shop and then, you know, people kept it going. And now, like you said, you see that they're, you know, making or reintroducing old film stocks. And you went to the factory, like how, like, how, how is that whole experience? Oh my God, man. So the, the factory, like when, when the world opens up again and we're allowed to go places, if you see Kodak offering the tour, beg, borrow, steal, whatever you got to do <laughs> and get to Rochester, take that trip because it it's, it's mind blowing. Like I took that trip in December, 2019. Mm-hmm. And I'm still processing what I saw that day. Cause it, it was just so mind blowing. Like the scale that Kodak operates on, like, and, and the fact that it's scaled back now, like it's much smaller. Like one of the things that was like, wild was being at the base plant where they make like the film base Mm -hmm. Um, the base plant has three full production lines that used to run 24 7 365 all three of them two of them are shuttered now because like they don't need that much production and then the main line that's running right now i believe only runs like once every couple quarters because Mm -hmm. like for the couple of months that it runs, it makes enough film base to last them for like, you know, several months. So they don't need to run it very often. And even then when they do the runs, they're also running stuff for other people. So it's like that line has like capacity ability. That's just like beyond what they actually need right now. And it's so vast. Like it's a couple miles long in like, I think nine or 10 stories up and down and the film traverses the whole um building like up and down like at the tail end of it there's like this huge elevator that goes like the full height of the building where like the film spools up and down into um the the elevator because they can't stop the production line when they're putting it on the rolls and so as like because on one end they put plastic pellets in and the other end it comes out as like a big you know bulk roll of uh, base to put emulsion onto um so when they're getting near the tail end of like winding a roll up the elevator starts collapsing and slowing the roll down so that the guys can like cut the roll off attach a new roll and when it gets to the end of the elevator the elevator starts picking like pulling up again through the whole height of the building so that production coming in gets caught by that so that they can slap on another reel start pulling that in and then take up the tension because the production line cannot stop so like when it's running it's 24 7 that they're just pulling stuff off of the line it was crazy to see that and then like being inside of buildings that weren't actually buildings they were machines that was like still the craziest thing to this day to think about that like i'm standing in this like you know 10-story building that's not a building at all it's just it's a it's a 10-story machine and there's only yeah. like four stories in it they're accessible by humans the rest it's like a photocopier the rest of it is like you know machine and then there's like the four uh stories in the building where you can go in and like pull the drawers for like paper jams and things like that like that was so wild like the the whole experience of like seeing how the film is made um 
is is just wild. And like I talked about it a bit with uh, with when Matt was on last year, <clears throat> one of the examples they had on how sensitive uh, film is in the um, the gelatin part of it was kind of cool where they were talking about um, a batch of emulsion that they were having some really weird quality control issues with that they traced it down to a batch of gelatin that came from um, a group of cattle that had made it out into a field of mustard plants. That's crazy. um, The mustard plants that they ate affected the quality of the gelatin to the point where the emulsion was like a very poor quality and like it wasn't working at all. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, like that's that's the um, level of purity that has to go into all of the ingredients to make the film. Um, like it, it was just, all of it was so, so wild. And you, you're like running from like place to place because it's just such a vast, um, a, a vast campus that, um, you know, just from one building to the other, like we had to take a bus to go from like different buildings because it's like it's too far to walk kind of thing and in like a a good amount of time and yeah it was it was such a cool experience and like Matt Stoffel like if you ever have any Kodak questions or like you know want to hear like interesting um <clears throat> film is not vegan <laughs> there are um vegan <laughs> options for it like some some people um have tried you know vegan um bases um, Kodak and Fuji experimented with it and um, they they didn't really have a lot of luck with it so it's like Kodak is always stuck with um, with gelatin because it just for what they do they found that like the gelatin base holds everything together better uh, chemically. Um, hey so I want to take a, a quick um, moment to point out Ashton Song just joined us uh, he's one of my colleagues in New Zealand. Oh, nice. I just read the other day that New Zealand is like at net zero now as far as COVID cases. So whatever they're doing, they did it. So uh, Ashton, congratulations on that. I hope uh, I hope you're doing well. So everybody give a round of applause for New Zealand and what they've done. <laughs> if only we could learn from them, right? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I think they did like strict shutdown and like they uh, they had all sorts of, you know, policies in place. You know, go figure. You have policies in place. Oh, and there's and there is Rob. His ears must be burning up. Hey, Rob, we were just talking about you. It's great to see you on here. Yeah, it, it was like um, New Zealand and a few other countries have like done such a great uh a great job um like hopefully we can learn from it so yeah it can be better especially for you guys like i mean holy shit it's i get so scared for my american friends when i look at what's going on down there like yeah and we're, we're not any better up here in canada yeah yeah so so how's uh you know the international community uh how are they feeling about what happened yesterday in the U.S.? Oh, with uh, with your inauguration? Yeah. Well, I know there's a whole group of Canadians that are mega butthurt about um, Biden canceling the pipeline, which um, we never should have. 
So Canada's government decided it'd be a really great idea to buy a pipeline for $4 billion from a Texan oil company that was already in the midst of like getting out of the project because yeah. they saw that it was a bad project to be part of. And here yeah. comes Canada being like, oh, cool. This seems like a great idea. And this company's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us money. And so our government gave them $4 billion for like a bunk ass deal. And now <laughs> Biden's like, yeah, this is a really bad idea. I'm going to cancel it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all of the people in Alberta are very upset about this because Alberta is like the province that would have benefited the most from the pipeline. So I know there's a lot of people that are not a fan of Biden already because of that. Um, you know, but that's I'm, Alberta though, you know? <clears throat> yeah. I'm glad that he's like, I mean, I would have rather seen Bernie. There's only one person I care about that came out of, out of Alberta and that's Brett the Hitman Hart. And that's it. I'm good on everything else. So I don't really tell people this often, but I'm originally from Alberta. Okay, that's two people. No, um, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't like it, I thought you were from from British Columbia. I grew up in British Columbia. I was okay. I was born I was born in Calgary, Alberta. <laughs> um, yeah. So now anyone trying to identity theft me, you've got one of the. Um... <laughs> Where was I born? <laughs> 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 you're welcome to take on all of my debt and pay it off for me um, yeah I'm, sh I, I'm i'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to be glad that biden is um in office now like it, it's great that you know in one day he did so much work to nullify a bunch of the badness that um he who shall not be named did um yeah let's don't even bring his name up anymore yeah, he doesn't deserve it. Like, that's one of the things that I love in, like, because I've been watching, like, Colbert and Seth Meyers and stuff like that. And I love that they, like, they, they censor his name out. Whenever <laughs> they, they won't, oh, like, so funny. give him any credit. He doesn't deserve any credit. Like, but in a weird roundabout way, he did end up making America great again because y'all got a bunch of Democrats running stuff now. <laughs> never been weaker so he took a really fucked up path to get there but, to get uh, there. <laughs> he, he did end up in fact making america kind of great again well also <laughs> um exposing a lot of really shitty people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey you know i actually met one of your um one of your oil billionaires um the, the guy who owns irving oil okay yeah, I've seen him around Boston. He's a he's an interesting cat. Did he end up buying something from the store? Is that he's he's walked through a couple of times. Okay, but he's his. I mean, his name's all over the place over here. I mean, the oil tankers and there's like several Irving gas stations over here. Yeah, I'm talking about like the big ships that come in. I used to live in East Boston, and there's um like a channel that went up into the like, this like really industrial area. And I'll oh, see all the time these huge ships with Irving oil plastered on the side of them. I'm like, hey, I know that guy. He's Canadian and, like, mega rich. Yeah, there's there's a few of those, like, you know, super rich rich folks out there. It's um, kind of wild. A lot of them got richer over the pandemic, yeah. which has um, been kind of wild because it's sort of the opposite for a bunch of us during these, uh, these trying times. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I can't wait to be able to get back down to Boston one day um, in Denton and just all over. Like, it's just been kind of a bummer not being able to, like, travel places and go see people. And uh, so I was kind of curious, like, have you put together any, like, pandemic film projects or, like, has there been oh. come up, like, you know, while you've been sort of, like, in this, like, you know, place to sort of bide the time? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's interesting is, is I started getting the, um, because I didn't go out, like, at all. Like, I mean, I literally, only place I'd go was to the grocery store, and that was maybe, like, once every three weeks. And we were shut down for a good, you know, two months. So I had a lot of money just sitting there. We got, I got the stimulus money. And so I bought a bunch of artwork. Like, I got a bunch of photos. I bought stuff from Jason and Raymond. And um, Bob Price did that thing with um, with Jason and Raymond. And I bought a Ralph Gibson print. Like, I paid, like, the most money I'll probably ever pay for a print. But Ralph was like, I'll give you a, a good deal on it. I'm like, all right, if Ralph's giving me a good deal, I'm just going to buy it. So I've got, um, I bought some really cool artwork. But, yeah, I have had a lot of ideas and a couple of them I've already started on. Um, so one of them was, and really Jason was kind of the the catalyst that made me realize that it was going to be a good idea to to approach this project. Um, so my sister used to live in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and I've got a lot of uh, friends and family that lived over there, and I would go over there quite a bit. I think she's in here. I saw her pop up earlier. Hey, Carly, if you're in here. But uh, she went to the University of Alabama, and there's a highway that connects uh, Prattville from where we're from uh, to Tuscaloosa. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> it was um, when the interstate system started through uh, Alabama, it completely cut off that highway. So all the businesses on the highway, they kind of, you know, floundered. They went out of business. There's a bunch of, like, just random buildings that are all dilapidated with um you know with you know trees and grass and weeds and, and vines all growing through them and everything and i used to pass it all the time when i was um going back and forth between visiting her and visiting friends and going to alabama football games um and then i moved up here well i went back down and i don't even remember what what made me drive down the road but I just started driving down because it, it was a road that I used to drive down. And I was just feeling a little nostalgic. So I went down and I just started pulling over and, sh and shooting photos. And I got, I drove maybe about 20 miles and I got like 10 solid photos from driving that. And I started looking at them like, man, could this be a project? Like, could I, you know, how far could I drive? Could this be a project? So, you know, fast forward um, about a year later, when Jason's in town and one of my favorite photos in a plain view is that photo of the burger stand. You know which one I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. 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 So that's like one of my favorite photos in there. And, uh, we were chatting about it and I was like, Hey, where was this taken? And he was like, Oh, this was in Texarkana, Texas on highway 82. And I'm like, wait a minute, highway 82. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, so I showed him the photos that I took that are on the same highway, but in Alabama. And just the light went off. And I'm like, okay, there's something here. So the project that I want to do is Highway 82 starts in Georgia. 
in Brunswick, Georgia. It's Brunswick's between uh, Savannah and Jacksonville. And it runs all the way out to Alamogordo, New Mexico, which is about 10 miles east of White, White Dunes National Park or White Sands National Park. Yeah. And um, so I want to just travel the highway. And that was one of the questions that I was asking Jason. Like, I, I need to figure out. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how long it would take. Well, I think he said to give yourself like two or three weeks. Yeah, it's definitely going to be like my, my thought process is a solid like eight, nine days out there and back. You know, it, it's going to be I had to find time off. I don't know when I'm going to do it. My, yeah. my thought process is to kind of do the eastern part because the eastern part from Alabama to Brunswick is about an eight hour drive overall. I could do that in a couple of days if I, if I really wanted to. And then, but the, the part from Prattville or Montgomery all the way to New Mexico and back would be a lot longer. Luckily I know some people who live near highway 82 in other States. So I've already been reaching out to a few people like, Hey, you know, what's in the area? Um, you know, is there anything cool on the highway? I know someone who lives in Mississippi, someone who lives in Arkansas and someone who lives in Texas, all near, uh, highway 82. Um, so that's one of them. And then another project that I just started recently is I've been photographing people who, um, artists and photographing with the tools that they use to create art and putting an emphasis on their hands. Okay. Um, so I recently went out to Brooklyn and, uh, my buddy Randy introduced me to a guitar player, uh, who's in the band Testament and he um he's been shooting with Leica for a little while now. He's got the Leica Q and he's been hitting me up about, you know, questions about it and um so you know, we've been going back and forth and I had this idea. He's a great guitar player too, like really good. He's got a uh, a band called the Alex Skolnick Trio and just all sorts of like jazz fusion with like some, you know, Middle Eastern and, and Indian influences in there. So I went over to a studio in, in Brooklyn and just started shooting around and I got some really good shots. And now I've hit up my buddy, Randy. I've hit up my friend, Malcolm. Malcolm, I met at the store. He used to play for the Patriots and now he's a children's book writer. Um, so I've, I've hit them up and they're all on board with it. I want to ask Jason if he's going to, if he would like to be a part of it. Um, you know, he'll probably like, yeah, dude, let's do it. <laughs> he's, he's super chill with that kind of stuff. Like it was, uh, it was a hoot to have him on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, I was a little nervous, but it, it worked out in the end. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, he went he went uh, black on social media again. He was like, I'm done. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> from time to time. Yeah, like, no. He has the joint account um, with his wife. Oh, does he? Um, okay, cool. Oh, Stefan. But... Um, yeah, he, he just tends to do that. But you can always get him on email. And yeah, yeah, I've got his email address. Um yeah, he's uh he's a funny he's a funny, funny guy. Like so So Paul Paul's Paul's asked a question asking if I if if uh thirty five millimeter and medium format. Um I do both. Um M two for thirty five. I have a Pentax six seven that I shoot mainly for medium format. Um pretty much all Kodak. 
uh, Triax or 160 for 35 millimeter, nice. 800 if I can afford it. Um, That's yeah. And then for medium format, Portra 400 and Triax with 800 when I can afford it. Uh, I love 800. It's just so expensive right now. It it has a, a really cool look to it though. Yeah, it does. I um, Portra 800 is is one of my favorites to shoot with. And for black and white, I really, I love 3200. Yeah, really I've been using that T-Max quite a bit. Yeah, the, the T-Max 3200, the grit that you get in that, like that grain yeah. that's in there, it's just like, sometimes it's just so like grimy and, and beautiful. Mm -hmm. like Because I also do love like the really smooth, like Eastman Double X is... Mm -hmm such a nice film because it's so smooth and yeah triax like yeah you can never yeah wrong with with triax 400 but like some of those like really dark night gritty grainy shots that i've shot on 3200 are some of my favorite ones yeah i shot that double x uh during the uh a boston view photo walk uh somebody gave me a roll it was oh, the cine still and yeah. uh, i'm like sure i'll try it. i really liked it it's got a really nice grain structure it looks really good um, they're just always out of stock of it. Um, now I know I could probably buy the XX, the double X like separately. Uh, but I know people who buy it up and just bulk roll it themselves. Yeah, I bet so Duncan the, probably does that if he's still in here. The thing that's nice with, with, uh, the double X is that, um, it doesn't have a rem jet, so you can just yeah. buy the, the bulk and like load it yourself. And I know lots of people that do that. Um, I, buy mine mostly from a place in Vancouver. There's um, a guy named Benjamin Poulton that um, he um, rolls bulk and sells it to like camera shops and stuff. But double cool. X is significantly cheaper than Sinistils. Um, <laughs> you pay the tax with, with that stuff. But um, at least it's a 36 roll. Like I love film photography project, but um, I don't like that it's a 24 roll. I just, I always feel cheated with the 24 rolls. Yeah, no, same here. I'm the same way. I, I like the 36. And it's so funny because I, um, when I first started shooting, I'm like 36, that's it. And then I started shooting medium format. And now 36 <laughs> is like too much. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, 12 or like six. Um, Paul is asking if. Uh, yeah, I, I was just, I'm Henry not familiar Wessel. with Henry Wessel. Henry um, has some beautiful stuff and it's like one of like he's a cat that Jason talks about a lot like he's a big okay cool for a lot of I'm gonna Jason. write that down yeah and it's, it's it's great great stuff um it's something I need to get more familiar with because like I've only really been subjected to the stuff that uh that Jason's like talked about and, and shown um yeah so I um I, I've been turned on to his the stuff that he's been talking about too and one of the photographers he raves about is Wim Wenders. Yeah. And when I was in Germany, um, I picked up the Leica store in Wetzlar had a Wim Wenders book. And it was, I think it's called like uh, The West. And I was like, okay, I totally see why Jason's like in tune with this dude. And another photographer that he really likes is um, William Christenberry. Yeah. And he would not stop talking about this, the work that he did in Hell County, Alabama. And that's one of the big reasons why he wants to go to Alabama. So, um, you know, I, I let him know. It's like, hey, man, if you want to go to Alabama, I'm, 
I mean, there's several people in here right now uh, from Alabama, like Mr. Chase, who just popped up in here. But um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, well, looks like Merlin dipped out on me. Yeah, All right, I want everybody to throw up their favorite well, photographer in the chat. Is, um, cra like crazy black and white stuff like this. So I picked this up in Oklahoma when Jason was uh, doing his show uh, there for um, – the Oklahoma stuff. Uh, it was a joint show between Jason and Larry Clark, and oh, cool. I picked up Larry Clark's Tulsa book. And oh, I, that's dope, man! This this is just some of the stuff that that he took in here was just like wild. And this one, so this photo they didn't actually put as like a print because it was just like too controversial for them to mm -hmm. do a print of it. But like. This photo is just so insanely powerful. It kind of blew my mind like the first time I saw it. Oh, crazy. Yeah, because like the first thing, you're sort of drawn to the light. Like it's just beautiful and the light's so gorgeous. And then you realize, oh, it's it's, it's a pregnant lady doing injection drugs. Crazy. Ah, it's so crazy. Yeah. Like it's, um, yeah. And then, like, Larry Clark, he's he's a Oklahoma native, and it's the first time, like, his work was ever shown in yeah. Oklahoma. Um, was that – and that was in Tulsa, that shot that he took? Yeah. Yeah. This, this yeah. And that was, like, one of the reasons why, like, people in Tulsa weren't a fan of Larry Clark, because he um, took photos of, like, a side of Tulsa that they didn't want shown. Like, they didn't yeah. want – know that like you know Tulsa had this like gritty underbelly to it and oh I get it you know I, I see that in Montgomery when when I was living still living in Alabama like it was you know you had everybody would move out east and kind of leave the the west and the south side kind of it's it's just like its own little world over there and I'll tell people so I worked for a pest control company for a short time and I was in those areas and I saw all sorts of crazy stuff and I'll tell people these stories, like, no, that doesn't happen in Montgomery. I'm like, yeah, BS, like, it, it yeah. does all the time. And I really, like, I, I, it, it's interesting because I, I like that stuff because it's a part of humanity. And, like, if you don't, if you don't take it in and really look at it, then you're missing out on this, this whole part, you know, even if it is sad and, and, and disturbing, you know. Um, and, and that's that, that, man, that photo is crazy. Well, and it, it's got my mind kind of going all over the place right now. I feel it's important to catch that kind of stuff because, like, one of the favorite photos I've ever taken was um, at my cousin's funeral um, yeah. a few years back. Um, I shot it with my Roly XF35 on Ilford XP2 400, and it was a photo of his casket, um, but I was standing in, like, the crowd of people, and so it was just, like, there was this perfect channel through the crowd where you could see his casket in, in him, but the, like sort of in the background of everything was like all these people standing there and just the way the lighting came in and everything. Like, it's just, it's a humbling photo whenever I look at it. Um, but it was weird. A lady freaked out at me for taking photos during mm -hmm. 
like the viewing and stuff because she was like she felt it was very disrespectful and like awful to be like you know taking photos during this like you know upsetting time and i was like lady like everyone grieves in different ways like yeah. you know this is this is how i'm processing this right now and um you know it's it's a weird thing because like i wasn't really i'd never got a chance to meet that cousin because he well not me like i met him but i never got a chance to spend a lot of time with him because like while i was moving out here um he had his first stroke and so he spent most of the first few months that I was out here in and out of the hospital. And, um, like, he was all stoked because, like, you know, we never got a chance to spend much time together that I was moving out here because he's like, we're going to hang out all the time, cuz. And then, like, you know, he ends up in the hospital and then, like, a few months later passes away. <clears throat> That's so, crazy. Like, I don't know, taking photos of it felt important for me because, like, you know, that was the only time I really got to spend with this dude was like one dinner and then his funeral. Um, yeah, I shot, I did a funeral. It was my great uncle, my, my cousin, um, it was her grandfather. And she asked me to photograph it. And, um, you know, I was cool with it. Like I was fine with it. Um, and really what kind of helped me be okay with it was my buddy, Ryan, he shot a funeral and it was his niece's funeral and his sister, yeah, his sister had a baby, and um, I, if I'm not mistaken, the, uh, she had a heart defect. Mm. And so Ryan photographed her in the hospital, photographed her being born, and then I think it was about a week later, photographed her funeral. And, I mean, just one of the, the photos, it's one of the most powerful photos that I've seen him take. Um, but is his sister leaning over a small casket and it's just like oh my god like there's so much in there but she asked him to shoot it and she's like this is a part of life how you know no matter how um sad it is and i want you to be a part of it so and you know he he wrestled with it um but you know did it and said that he's you know glad that he did it um and that kind of put me at ease whenever my cousin asked me to photograph her grandfather's funeral um so yeah it's crazy like uh it but people you know there's a couple of people there who kind of look at me like oh what are you doing and you know certain times i'm like should i get closer uh what should i do and i just kind of just moved around and just snapped my, my camera when i could but um but yeah hey if you know when i die i want people to take photos at my funeral yeah, right. You know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in my uh, in my will that there needs to be some instant film cameras and some like little disposable cameras and everybody's gonna be shooting like like they would at a wedding. <laughs> I just it should be like a wedding, you know. Maybe yeah. have like a photo booth or something there. Where, yeah. <laughs> you know, where people have like the the disguises and things like that. Like you know, just be like that's how I want my funeral to be because it's exactly. yeah, the celebration of life. It, it absolutely should it is be Paul. Like, yeah, absolutely. Oh man! Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll how much longer until Instagram kicks us off this thing? How, how what's, what's so your? Uh... Here's, here's the thing: is like when we do it over the phone, there's no time limit anymore. The only reason I got kicked <laughs> off Jason is because I needed to talk through Zoom. Okay. And the way that I found to make Zoom go on Instagram that has like the one hour limit on it. So yeah, 
um yeah like it's we we can we can talk for a bit more we can wrap it up like it's totally no fun. i mean hey is anybody anybody uh, out there got any questions let's yeah feel free we got uh, i think like 17 or so people on here so if you guys got questions or like comments like or... a canadian's perspective on america or is there any americans with a perspective on canada yeah and yeah hit us up with anything like those pro uh, like, like perspectives on that um you know any questions on like film or cameras uh, <laughs> had a comment like she just texted that she got kicked off and something side. but um she wants to like maybe do a workshop and exhibition with y'all sometime um she's got some some like lettuce in <laughs> um well i mean get covid under control and, um, <laughs> film for chair um okay yeah i can i can do that oh paul that is a good question That's color tough. or black and white it is so tough for me um it really depends on, I don't know, man. I shoot about half and half now. It really is about half and half. Yeah, I'm like 70, 30 color. Um, it's probably a little bit more color, but yeah. I shoot a lot of 35 in color. So that's why I would, in a lot of medium format, I shoot a lot of 35 in black and white, and a lot of medium format in color. So I think that's how it, equals out yeah yeah it's tough because it depends on the mood too um i also have started doing two cameras where like i'll run one color one black and white so that like when i'm out um i can get a bit of both it looks like my pops is just gonna up and leave everyone in defect well, <laughs> well only if the election went the other way all right, so Janice says film fridge share, so... Uh-oh. Here, I'll... The, the film fridge is a little weak right now because when I did that road trip across Canada, I, uh, I used up a bunch of stuff, but... Um, so this is the, the film fridge. Um, oh, man. I got a little bit of 800 left there, but I'm running low on that. Some 3,200. The P30, if you've never played with the P30 yet... This stuff is, this is good stuff. Um, it's the Italian. Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, this is, this is some beautiful stuff. Um, really recommend playing with it. The Rolly Crossbird is also a cool film to play with. Um, I haven't played with this stuff yet, but I'm excited to mess with this, like, um, film washy stuff. Like, it's, uh, there's one here. I think it's, like two iso film or something and they say it's for like street photography um where is it here yeah 12 iso and when oh, i was looking crazy. at the website they're like recommendation street photography <laughs> <laughs> street with 12 iso like come on um then i got some like old polaroid here and um this is like my preciousest precious the egg yeah they got a good Get a hoard of the Agfa Chrome there. Um, this one I'm kind of stoked. A friend gave me this stuff, and I've been really wanting to shoot the Portra black and white. Um, oh yeah, the CN. Yeah, and so I got two uh, two rolls of that to play with. Is, is it expired yet? Oh, it, it's like super fucking expired. Two thousand two. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, okay. Wild expired. It, it it'll still be good though. Yeah, um, yeah so. especially because um, you you keep everything in your your refrigerator, so you should be good to go. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I got a problem with that, and so like that's the. This is the main main filmy fridge. Ooh, is this here? Here's a here's. Let me show you one of your your favorite one of your favorite film stocks ever. Ooh, this one here. Someone gave me this stuff, Ektachrome 104 by 5 Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I got some uh, 3000B. What? Oh, it's a... <laughs> nah, I don't have any left. It's just a, a, a photo of um, something I shot with 3000B. I love it. And that's why you hate Fuji. Yes. So I still have <laughs> a little bit of uh, 3000B next to my rotting vegetables. Um, but yeah, there's oh man, a three thousand B here, a couple of the one hundred. The one hundred B is pretty cool stuff, and then this is all FP one hundred C hundred. Hey, so what's your address? I think I need to send you something, or let everybody in here know where to go to get the last of the three thousand B. Yeah, no, we're not going to do that. This was so <laughs> a friend gave me this like old. Kodak Gold expired stuff. You know, um, I've seen some people do some really cool stuff with Kodak Gold. I just can't. I can't. I don't see it. This, like, I. There's actually really cool stuff. And then this has been. I've been saving this for a rainy day. It's Royal Gold ISO. Uh, yeah. And this stuff expired in '99. So I'm kind of curious about um, how that's going to turn out. And I, I get all of this like weird stuff from a dude in Michigan um, named Abraham Vinegar. Uh, if you need weird film stuff, Abraham is the man. He can track down all sorts of weird shit for you. Um, and then I can't remember what I've got in the Polaroid boxes, but I think there's some like duochrome yellow, some of the promo film with the new and old logo. Um, yeah, a bunch of stuff. And then some of the one instant um yeah that's that's a film fridge hey photo barrett asked a question about alabama any cool spots uh um pretty much any any county road any um any u.s highway um there's some really cool areas in northeastern alabama there's a lot of caves and a lot of um yeah a lot of caves there's um Little River Canyon over there, which is really cool. Um, there's definitely a difference. So you kind of get a little mountainous in the northeastern part of, of uh, Alabama. Um, in the southern parts, there's a lot of kind of dilapidated buildings. Um, some areas in Birmingham are really cool, especially like on the outskirts of downtown. Uh, do be careful, though. There's some sketchy parts of Birmingham. Um, but then again, Birmingham is just like any other city where a lot of it's gentrified now. So, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, Montgomery's got some cool areas. Like if you want to take photos of something kind of like, you know, dilapidated, there's a really cool area on the North side of Montgomery. That's, um, that is like all industrial, a lot of train tracks over there. Um, you can get, still get over there. Uh, you know, just park the car and just, uh, uh, a weird spot. I don't know about any weird spots. Like what kind of weird? <clears throat> yeah. Um, 
there is a place <laughs> I know a weird dude that that has like this crazy museum in Steel, Alabama. He runs this thing called the Possum Trot. Butch Butch <laughs> Anthony, look him up. It's crazy. Like the dude's wild. He's great though. What is the Possum Trot? So oh, it's like this crazy. So this dude, like, uh, he he just started collecting stuff and starts building things out of nothing. His name is Butch Anthony, and he used to do like this little. He called it the Museum of Wonder, and um, he just kind of opened up his property, and he's got all these crazy art installations over there. Um, it's really like it's really backwoods. Like it, it's it's really okay. cool. Looking. I haven't been over there. I've seen a lot of pictures. I've had friends who've been over there, but he would do this thing called the Possum Trot, where you just basically show up and just barter with people. Like you bring your goods, and from what I understand, like some of the weirdest people come out like, you know, like real life, like, you know, hill people will come out and just like barter. And, uh, so like, you know, deer skulls with like, you know, stuff hanging off of them and everything that you're supposed to like hang around like bones and all that. But, um, you know, trying to think of some, any weird spots in Alabama. Um, Pete, thank you for popping in. Um, you and Alan definitely should link up sometime. If you want to get into large format, Alan, Pete oh, yeah. is the guy. Um, oh, and he's in he's in the Boston, New Hampshire area. He sure is. He can swing by and pick you up in the Leakland. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. See, like a yeah, it is like a random flea market. That's exactly what it is. But um, yeah, definitely look up Butch Anthony. He's he's kind of wild. Um, I, I I saw that um, Gordon. If anybody needs a, a ship made, Gordon will build you a, a ship, or he'll wrap your M camera. So if anybody needs any wraps on their M camera, he can he can do that as well. Is that Pete right there? That that is Pete. Um... See you later, Pete. Yeah, Pete. Pete's an interesting cat. Um, I was really happy to have him on last season. He talked about his road trip adventures from California to back to Boston. Oh, uh, cool! In, in the Jason Lee Lincoln. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, is he, he the one that bought the Lincoln from? Yeah, he he bought oh, he bought the Plainview Lincoln. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but he, that's he a famous broke, car right there. It well, and that was the thing that's interesting because like when um i had the talk with him he was he was mentioning how like he had no idea the sort of like um history that that car had sort of developed under the stewardship of jason mm -hmm. uh, he just thought it would be like a cool story to buy this car that jason lee owned drive it across the country and then like you know sell it um but then when he like learned like all the different photographers that have borrowed it in the time that jason yeah. had it and like all the road trips that it was on he was just kind of like all right i gotta kind of keep this thing alive a, a little bit longer and do some some of his own road trip adventures in it so um northern california is cool um You've so i work in tech um that's my day job that's how i afford all of that film um and so I spent a lot of time in the Bay Area because I used to work for a startup company uh, based in Mountain View, California. And um, yeah, that whole area around San Francisco and all of that is magnificent. 
Um, like I've, I've driven around Palo Alto and some of like the smaller um, towns around like Mountain View and all that and uh, taking some cool pictures of like, you know, the neighborhoods there and like weird graveyards and um, Half Moon Bay is a really cool place. It's just right along the coast. It's not far from the Mavericks. And um, that's, that's one of my favorite places to go just to be because um, there's just something really cool about like driving down the coastline there and um, just the way it feels and looks and like driving through the the hills in behind Palo Alto. Um, just lots of cool stuff to, to photograph out there. Yeah, I haven't been over there yet. I want to go to uh, Yosemite. Um, it's definitely on the bucket list. Um, I know somebody who lives in Sacramento and uh, I have a friend who lives in San Francisco, but I just haven't been over there. I spent some time in Southern California and I love it down there. Like the desert just, oh man, I could. Yeah, the, the <laughs> desert, I, I want to explore the desert more. So like, um, I kind of fucking hate Vegas. It just, the whole idea of it sort of like disgusts me a little bit, but the desert is fucking gorgeous. And um the times I have gone to Vegas, I've always like rented a car and like fucked off into yeah. the desert. Um, and when I didn't have to be in the city for like whatever job I was there for, um, like exploring the desert out by Boulder City and stuff like that. Yeah. So cool. Um, you know, I, I wanted to like drive out to the Grand Canyon, but I've never had like, you know, time or chance to do that yet. But it'd be like really yeah. cool to, to do that. Triax render is so nice out there like all the yeah like, triax and ektar were really nice to shoot in the desert yep I was, I was just about to say that ektar is like the color film for that area yeah. um grand canyon's great i recommend anywhere in utah utah is awesome like i had a buddy who went to school out in utah and he kept telling me it's like dude utah's awesome i'm like what is like utah like there's nothing out in utah he's like oh dude it's gorgeous and then uh met some people from utah went and hung out in zion and i get it like it's incredible um been to several of the parks over there and it's one of the places that i want to go back to as soon as i can like it's just something magical about that place the colors the tones the 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 emptiness how big everything feels it's just incredible and that's what i like about the desert too it's just like i feel really small and insignificant and it's really humbling because you like see how everything big, like everything's just like huge, and like around here it's like a bunch of trees and you know city. <laughs> I mean, uh, Texas is kind of like that for me a bit too. Yeah. Like um, the the light down there, like in in the Dallas Fort Worth area, like oh yeah, Denton, like that. Like it's um, when I went to visit Armand the first time. I was like, okay, I can see why Jason fell in love with this place. Like, it's yeah. just, there's, there's something really special about the light there. Like, the photos I've taken um, down in Denton are some of my favorite photos. Uh, some of my favorite photos. So that, um, that Howie 82 project that I was telling you about, that goes through uh, the northern part of Texas and goes through, like, Paris, Texas. Oh, nice. Um, and... You know, it's close enough to Denton to where I could make a trip down, hang out with Armand for a little bit. I haven't talked to him in a while. Um, 
you know, last time I talked, uh, I got to send him a, um, I got to get him a loaner. He he asked me to try out the uh, M10R a while ago, and I still haven't got that yeah, corporate yet. <laughs> so I need talk, to talk to him about that on the live I had with him like last year. Yeah, so, <laughs> a lot's happened since then. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. But you know, he also hadn't reached out to me about it to remind me that I owe him uh, a loaner. So <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna make him want to buy a another digital camera. I think Z Shine can uh he can give a thumbs up on that. I definitely liked his M ten when I was playing with it. I'll be honest, yeah. I didn't really like the M nine when I played with it at the Leica store. Um but I definitely like Armand's M ten a lot more when I play with it in Denton. Yeah, it's crazy because um if you keep the profiles and put it through Lightroom with the camera profiles you really don't have to adjust anything like yeah. it kind of goes in really clean as it is um that's so what, that's what i really like about it that's what kind of annoyed me with the m9 was like every photo that i got from it i had to like fuck around with and yeah well it's also that sensor too i mean that's old technology i mean the m9 was made in what like 2008 9 i forget what year um but it's got a cult following because it's the full frame uh, CCD sensor. I mean, we still have people asking or saying that they want to get an M9. I'm like, no, you don't. You want to get an M10. Yeah. Uh, it's a better camera. Uh, and our most popular camera is still the Leica M6. Like it, it's, and that's what you know. I, I, <laughs> I told Grant. <laughs> um, you know, I messaged him when you had that uh, live stream with, with Grant, like. The skateboarders really did kind of put the M6 on the map. They made it really cool. Yeah. A lot of the skateboarders were, were shooting around with it. Grant was one of them. Yeah, Grant's got one. Jason's got one. Ray Barbie, Raymond, mm -hmm. um, Ed Templeton. Mm -hmm. like, so many like you know, skate dudes rock the, the M6. Dude, have you met Ray Barbie? I have not had the chance to meet Ray Barbie yet, but you were telling me about the time that you, you met him at the, the Leica store in Boston. And I was like, not going to lie, a little tiny bit jealous. Um, oh man. Yeah. He came and he played guitar. Like dang. we had a, we had an opening. It was, we were launching the uh, SL2 and he came in corporate flew him in and, and like, he just yeah, Ardo. jammed on. Yeah. Ardo. Yeah. 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 It's like all those dudes are shooting with the M6 and like, you know, it's a tank, you know. Keep talking about that one. It just made me think of another. But, yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Like, Ray is super nice. And, like, you would get along with him. He was he was such a cool dude. And and they love him in Germany. Like, he, um, they flew him out to Germany to do, to play music at, oh, what event was it? It wasn't the M10 was it the M10? No, it wasn't the M10 launch. I think they were inducting someone into like the uh, Hall of Fame or something, and he went out to play guitar. But you know, went out there with his band and everything. So it's interesting you talk about skate photography and stuff like that. This was another book that I was super stoked to get last year, and this was kind of a pain in the ass to get because it would only ship in the states. So I had to mm -hmm. get. It shipped to Armand and then Armand shipped it up to me but um this is 
Bablock and Callus, the book that they put together of like all their work over like 30 years. Oh, that's cool. His, um, the, the career and stuff. And it was just like, you know, some of the, the photos in, in this book are just like so cool. Yeah. The, the history between skateboarding and photography is like such a cool, um, cool history. Like you know, having, having Grant come on and talk about like, you know, all of the adventures that he had, um, you know, over his time and just even seeing like, I've, I've loved all the Grant skate photography, but he's been the only guest so far that's done this. He's like, do you want some promo pics? And I was like, sure. If you want to send some, some pictures, you know, go for it. <laughs> Dude sends me a 400 meg zip file. Of, like, all of these photos. That's <laughs> awesome. Like, this is kind of hilarious. Um, but he's been the only guest so far where I had like, you know, samples of their work because he provided me with it. But like his artistic work, holy shit. Like, yeah, it's a brilliant skate photographer, but his art photography is it's amazing. Like the stuff that he does with black and white, the dude's like a total like artist. Like he's he's a genius yeah. with that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's funny. He was um, I was watching a um one of the bands that I follow, uh, AFI, their guitarist was playing around, like, you know, during the, the whole lockdown. And, like, behind him, I've seen one of Grant's photos. Yeah. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Like, you know, it's the um, the skateboard with the with the shadow. What's what's the name of it? Yeah, that was off of the, the Thrasher. Um, yeah. Oh, shit. I can't remember it now. It's just, it's a, like, escape me. But, yeah, that's, like, one of his most famous photos, um, the, the shadow one. And that was... Um, that was a cover. Yeah, um, it was a Thrasher cover, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he came into town with, because um, they had the Rolling Through the Shadows show. And only two of, of the photographers came. I think there was like 14 in all. And like Tobin Yellen and, and uh, Ray Barbie, um, they were part of it. Arto was part of it. Um, but Grant and Dennis McGrath came to town. And, you know, Dennis, uh, not, uh, not Dennis, Grant gets there and, uh, you know, we're chatting. I was like, uh, he's like, I was like, do you want anything to drink? He's like, sure. So I show him like what we have. And he's like, oh no, I don't want anything to drink. I'm good. And I'm like, what do you want? He's like, well, I usually drink IPAs. I'm like, cool, man, let's go down to the store and go get some. He's like, for real? It's <laughs> like, yeah, dude, like you're the, you're the artist, man. Like I want you to be happy. Dude was so appreciative for me walking like half a block down the street to go pick him up some beers. Like, man, I can't thank you enough. I'm like, dude, I can't thank you enough for being here. Like, you're you're yeah. the talent, man. Like, I got to make sure that you're good. And, but it's like so cool, like how humble he is and like oh, he, how how fun he was to hang out with. He's absolutely humble. Like, um, yeah, Stephanie says, you know, if you ever in San San Diego, uh, stop by the photographer's. Uh, I want to go to San Diego it's so bad. And um, that's where I met. Stephanie and Grant was um, in San Clemente for mm -hmm. Darkroom Lab Film Padea. And it was such a trip because, like, I spent like three hours at this like random pizza shop drinking pizza, uh, drinking beer and eating pizza, just like bullshitting with Grant. And I was just yeah. like, this is so fucking feel <laughs> about it. Like, he was just like the coolest, most down to earth guy. Yeah. And, like, you know, as, as awesome as it was to have Jason on the show, I think my favorite guest so far has been grant he's yeah like, uh, grant's he's, awesome man he was so cool he's he's such a mellow dude and um 
for for someone that has been like at this for so long, you're just so like modest and, and humble, yeah. like you know, genuine, which is cool. Which is like that's one of the things I really appreciate about Jason too. Like, yeah, he's like a, a genuine, cool dude. Like you know, it was it was weird when we were walking around Boston with him. He just kind of seemed like someone's kooky dad. That like, yeah, no, he did. <laughs> <laughs> He really did. He was just kind of running around, like, just shooting. Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, um, you know, it's crazy because I don't know if you noticed this, but we, we actually had people, like, starting to, um, there's probably, like, five or six people, like, kind of hanging outside with, like, movie posters and everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's he was like, ah, oh, man, I'll, I'll sign it, but, like, you know, somebody's like, oh, man, I missed the book signing. He's like, book signing? What are you talking about? So like, I know that you were doing a book signing. He's like, no, nah, man, I'm just hanging out. And they're like, for real? He's like, yeah. And he said, I better not see this shit on eBay. <laughs> because apparently, like, you know, I, I think somebody had, like, five or six posters that they want him to sign. And uh, he's like, yeah, they'll just end up selling on eBay. I said, I don't understand why people want to sell my signature. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Well, dude, do you remember that girl that chased us when we were walking to dinner? Like, she followed us for, like, five or six blocks. And, like, uh, she was, like sweaty. And you might have missed it because you might have been with, like, some other dude. I think I was talking to Armand uh, that yeah, on the way over there. This This girl followed us to, like, where we were headed for dinner. And, like, she was all like, hey, hey. And, like, she finally got his attention. And she's like, my boyfriend's such a huge fan. Like, could you sign these for him? Oh, yeah. And, I do remember um, that. She had, like, this weird, like, it was a piece of wood with, like, all this stuff, like, elastic banded to it. But there was, like, five or six different things that she wanted him to sign. And he was just kind of like, did you really just follow us, like? all that way from the store and he's like yeah like my boyfriend's such a huge fan and then he looked at it he's like what's your boyfriend's name ebay (laughs) 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 it was like i felt really bad for him because i was like holy shit man like this like this is just what it must be like having to like just go for a walk with like yeah some just random folks and just like strangers like always tracking it down like armin was joking with me or telling me that like he likes to joke with people sometimes where like oh my god are you jason lee he's like no who's that and they'll be like (laughs) like sounds like a really cool dude (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's funny yeah i got a buddy who um who's in a band and he he you know, he talks about it too. Like, you know, people just, he said he'll see the same people. Like if he's in a region, he'll see the same people wanting autographs and they're always like carrying like handfuls of stuff. And he doesn't sign, he says he won't sign them because he knows what they're doing. And he'll even, like I've seen him put on his Instagram before. And, you know, I remember, um, I think it was like 2019, could have been 2018. He did like an Instagram live video of somebody like hanging out. He's like, look, like, don't buy that shit on eBay. My, my signature's not worth it. If you want something signed, hit me up, and we'll we'll discuss something. But don't buy that shit on eBay. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's so crazy. Like I can't imagine. I, I don't want to be. I, I I I don't think I'll do good being famous. 
Like yeah, I wouldn't either. Like I, I would get, I would get demolished with it. Like I, I like having my anonymity. Um, <laughs> like it's it's weird enough having a name like Merlin because like you know, it's that's that's already problematic enough. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, like that. That was like super, and just like the mob of people that were outside of the store Saturday yeah. after the the book thing, like that was, yeah, that was real. I I wasn't a super huge fan of that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be I wouldn't want to be famous either. Um, I just saw um a great photographer, <laughs> uh, Shannon Tomasic. She just rolled up in here. I actually have one of her prints over here. Go look her up. She's she's awesome. Um, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine like, you know, <laughs> he just wants to take photos and talk about photography. He's such a nerd when it comes to photography. And it's yeah. like so funny because somebody will ask him a question and you just like, you just tell him that he's so, so hyper-focused on that, on that question and, and just, yeah, man, we got to do that again. I've talked yeah. to him about doing a, uh, um, some sort of like Zoom with us with the store he said he's on board we just had to iron out the date so we've been trying to do it for a while and we actually had talked about doing some sort of gallery show and of course you know COVID. 20 happens yeah so um we had to put that off but that's something that's still kind of on the back burner yeah he did a really great zoom last week with the apa in san diego and um it was he was on there grant was on there and it was like this it was actually kind of cool because i thought it was going to be like a zoom webinar but it was actually like a, a regular zoom so like we could turn our cameras on and like oh cool yeah them and stuff but like everyone was like very respective and like stayed muted um but it was kind of funny like hearing him and grant riff off of each other a little yeah. bit like he sort of put grant on the spot and he's like hey, get on here and you talk to yeah <laughs> Absolutely, like nerded out on stuff like yeah, yeah. It, it was great like to do a zoom thing like that would be a lot of fun and like he he loves that kind of stuff and like that was something that like I wanted to make sure when when I had him on um was that we didn't let it deviate from the photography stuff because yeah um yeah a lot of people like get all excited about his other stuff but like I mean his photographic work is that, that's what I like him more for. Except I did, kind of, I I did mall rat him a little bit in Boston because I was like, <laughs> I'm never gonna like get to possibly meet this guy ever again. So I, oh, I, Sawyer totally mall ratted him. I don't know if you noticed, but Sawyer literally looked for a copy of Mall Rats because he was gonna, you know, he was gonna be all cool and like, hey man, can you sign this for me? So he went like all over the place. I think he found one at um, Two Later Paul. Cheers, I think Paul. he found one at uh, Newberry Records. Um, oh yeah, and... he there. That place is cool. <laughs> so he like looked all over the place. He found one, and then he was gonna be all slick and like you know take it out. Well, <laughs> he left it in the wrapping like behind the counter, and <laughs> and Jason saw it. He's like, "Who the fuck bought mall rats <laughs> like that?" And sorry was like, how does he know? And I'm like, I just kind of look at Sawyer. like, dude, you left it out, man. <laughs> like, way to be smooth about it. <laughs> did he? Did Sawyer end up getting a sign or? Jason? Oh yeah, he totally did. Yeah, he got it. He got it signed for his uh, his father in law. Um, I guess his his father in law is like a huge mall rat fan, 
And but, so, I mean, I don't even think Sorry was born when Mallrats came out, but uh, yeah, but, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I, <but> yeah. <laughs> when I was walking up to grab my copy of the book, um, when I went to shake his hand, I was like, "I'm so sorry, but I may not ever have another chance to do this." But I was like, "Can I interest you in a chocolate pretzel?" <laughs> 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 and he was like, uh, really? And I was like, I'm so sorry, but like, it's something that I could potentially regret if I never did it. And he's like, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> hey, I mean, he liked you enough to come on your, uh, your live stream. So that's awesome. Yeah, well, he's, he's great. Like the, the photography stuff, like, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for the Oklahoma stuff to come out. Um, yeah. Because, like, man, that stuff looks so good. And Steve did a fantastic job with the framing and the printing of a lot of that stuff there. Like Steve Reeves is such a cool guy. Um, I'm really excited for the Galveston project. Yeah. It sounds like super interesting. And, um, you know, seeing the mixture of the stuff done on the Leica and on the Wista, you know, big fan of the Wista because I also shoot with the Wista. So yeah. I saw some of their behind-the-scenes stuff with that when he was shooting the wooden Wista, and I was just like, I'm a little jealous of your wooden Wista. <laughs> metal one. Um, yeah, 4x5 is such a cool um, medium to play with. Um, you know, I might have to, I might have to uh, propose a project uh, telling that, because he, he really wants to go back to Alabama, and, you know, I've brought it up to him before, but I might just be like, yo, dude, like, I'll take you around Alabama. We've got places to stay. I know people in the South, up North and in central Alabama and just kind of document like him shooting his stuff and just have like two projects going on at once, mm -hmm. you know? I think he'd be down with that. Cause he did that he probably would. Uh, with Parker, that video oh, really? cool. plain view, like that way Parker <clears throat> hit him up and was just like, could I like, you know, video you on this thing and the video that she made, of of him trucking around for plain view was was such a cool video yeah hey chase are you still in here would you show us around huntsville i know somebody down in south alabama who actually um when i went back home um last christmas um i went to my old roommate we went to a christmas party at his his buddy's place and like i went to his garage to go grab a beer and i saw like like one side of the whole wall is nothing but um, it was like mall rats and like almost famous. I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, you, you must be a Jason Lee fan. He's like, yeah, dude. Like, I love the dude. Like, he's an awesome actor. I'm like, okay, cool. Noted. So I know, <laughs> I know somebody who would show us around uh, South Alabama. That's awesome. I'm sure he would be really down with that, man. I'm I'm still surprised that people are, are are in here. Oh, yeah. see you later, Gavin. Yeah, I, like I, um, I, I, should, I should have some dinner myself here soon. So, um, you know, yeah. No, hey, thanks for everybody who who came out. We just you know rambled about a bunch of random shit, but you know, hey, it's it's fun. I'm glad we got to do it. It's good to see you, man. I haven't it's, actually talked to you since your um since I was in Boston. We went for uh, the lobster rolls at that bar. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking about the actual last time that we talked was on, you had some people on like a Zoom 
Oh, you just like randomly messaged me. Hey, if you want to jump in, like, hell yeah, let's do it. Because I hadn't talked to anybody. Like, that was like the first time that I actually talked to like a group of people in, you know, that outside of work in a couple of months. When was that, last May? Yeah, that was June. When the um, the Polizoom happy hours. Yeah, when was, yeah. Um, Maybe June, somewhere in there, June, July, I think. Yeah. Man, so much has um, happened since then. Yeah, there's that. And then the last time I saw you was, um, I think... February. Yeah, you came into town for a conference, right? Well, it was kind of... I came in for training. And I came in early. And they canceled the training. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, because it was... <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, shit. I'm, like, already in Boston, though. That so, was last February, right? Yeah, that was. Uh, work yeah. basically paid for me to go see the Polaroid experience at the MIT museum. <laughs> and uh, I felt kind of bad, but my boss was like, don't feel bad about it. He's like, you know, whatever. Like you couldn't, you know, guess that they were going to cancel it. Like right before, yeah. like you would have already been on the way. Um, yeah. If you didn't go in, but yeah, that was the last time. Where'd you, where'd you stay again? At this like sketchy, sketchy fucking Airbnb. Like it was, it was, was it, was it in East Boston? I think it was, yeah. By the airport? Yeah. I used to live over there. It, it's like, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some sketchy parts. Um, yeah, because it was, uh, well, no, it was right, no, it wasn't, it was, it was right behind the MIT Museum. Like, I was only, like, okay. um, I think three blocks away from the MIT Museum. Okay. Yeah, there's some, you know, it's, it's weird because, um, yeah, that would have been, yeah, over in East Cambridge. Yeah, there's still some um, some sketchy parts over in Cambridge. The, Most of the sketchiness is gone, but. The Airbnb was, like, super sketchy. And I just remember <laughs> la- laughing my ass off because it was, like, pretty chilly. And I went, there was a Dunkies, like, a couple doors from my Airbnb. And I went in there and it was, like, super fucking cold. And there was this lady in flip-flops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, when it hits 50 degrees, people are out in their shorts, flip-flops. It's crazy. Yeah, Boston is an interesting (laughs) – I miss Boston. Like, I I can't wait to get back there. Oh, man. Next time, we'll have to go to Saugus. Where's that? So, if you want the true – so, it's right north of Boston. If you want the true Boston experience, it's where all the the stereotypical Bostonians live. They don't live in Boston. Boston's pretty international. Um, A lot of students – I mean, like, half the population is students. Um, but Saugus, like, if you want to hear the accent, if you want to see, see how, like, mass holes really are, oh, we got to go to Saugus, man. I just, I just <laughs> hear someone say wicked pisser. <laughs> oh, no, they'll say it. Those would be the people to say it. Like, people think, like, oh, Southie. No, Southie's all gentrified. There's nobody, maybe parts of Dorchester, but, like, uh, yeah, Saugus is definitely, like, tried and true Boston. <laughs> Nice. Well, a, whenever the world opens up again, I'm I'm down. Like you know. I know, man. There's like this Chinese restaurant over there called the Kowloon. It's like pretty pretty well known because they have like a they have they used to have these comedy shows there. Okay. And it was part of the comedy circuit. So any comedian that went on tour went through Kowloon. So like Bill Burr, Mark Marin. 
Um, all the Boston, the Boston-based comedians went through there. Um, Pat Oswalt, like all these huge comedians, like went through, and it was a restaurant, but it was like part of the circuit. Crazy. So, yeah, it's uh, but it's like a staple over there, and that's where everyone hangs out. So, if you want to see, you know, something that's true but totally different from the experience that you had whenever you're in Boston, that's where we need to go. All right, I'm down, man. <laughs> speaking well, of foods, I'm gonna grab some because. Yep. Sounds good. Same well, here. Thank you so much for spending some time with me, man. It was great to see you and chat with you. Um, Absolutely. You too, man. I'm interested to see your highway project come to fruition. I think that's going to be a rad project. Yeah. Once uh, everybody starts getting vaccinated, um, I'm hoping to really start on it. I've kind of got the the layout for it um, and it's going to take a while, but you know, I, um, I've got the idea I just have to really plan where I need to go and then we'll see what we can do with it. I'm hoping to make a book out of it. That'd be a fantastic book, man. And, you know, thank you for coming in and spending this time with us. I appreciate you all every week, you know, hanging out. Um, I got a fun guest coming in next week. Um, She's uh, a a local here in Toronto. A little bit different. She does use photography, but it's for stop motion uh, animations. Oh, crazy. That's cool. Yeah, she's a mixed media artist um, who is a fantastic friend. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious to like, you know, hear um, about her adventures with with stop motion. And yeah, that'd be kind of fun to like, you know, have something a little bit different from the photography side. So yeah, no, that'd be awesome. Yeah, her Instagram's foot to face. Um, She makes really cool t-shirts and other uh, like artwork like a, a ton of like a bunch of this art here is hers like most of that wall is all her artwork there um, oh here i want to i want to show you the the piece that i bought right before you go the ralph gibson definitely it's right there whoa yeah not cheap <laughs> but worth it it's beautiful man so hand printed and it's an artist print from 1970 oh shit yeah. So, um, and then as someone who came in here earlier, I've got her photo right here. It's a self-portrait. I don't know if, how well you can see it. That's beautiful. Whose is that one? Her name is Shannon uh, Tomasic. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, check her stuff out, man. Like a lot of her stuff is self-portraiture, and it's really, really good. So I met her through, um, well, I haven't met her, met her, but, um, you know, E met her through Indie Film Lab. Nice. So, but. Let me check that out. Well, thanks for sharing your art and spending some time. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we'll man. Touch soon. Yeah, if you want a round two, let me know. Yeah. We'll <laughs> Another <through>. marathon. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely hit you up again soon. All right. Sounds great. All right, guys, stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Thank you so much. Yeah, be safe. All right, right. have a good one. Cheers, y'all. Bye.